Good evening and welcome to Editing Aloud. So there I am minding my own business last night at 10 p.m. watching the television screen and onto it comes our president, Cyril Ramaphosa, to brief us on the outcome of the ANC's Lochotla. Number one, the ANC's made a decision about what it's going to do about the constitution and land expropriation without compensation. And number two, uh, the ANC has promised us an economic stimulus package, um, which is going to help us with the terrible unemployment figures that came out this week. The land thing, Sikonati, um, is this a positive signal or a negative signal? Certainly the RAND took it as a very negative signal. It's a totally opportunistic and populist uh, response to the EFF, trying to, uh, to, to pull the, the carpet right under its feet. And, and uh, unfortunately, there will always be a price to pay for that. Uh, l let's wait and see. The most interesting thing is not even Ramaphosa yesterday could say what this change will be in the Constitution. Exactly. So again, we have to wait. Uh, the, what do you call it in the markets uh, when you keep everything hanging and waiting? Policy and uncertainty, as we policy say. Policy uncertainty yeah. and let people speculate. And uh, there we go. Together uh, about the package as well that he spoke mm. of. There's the absolutely, stimulus package. There's absolutely no package. It was just trying to camouflage the mess that they were they, they were about to to unleash on the market. Let's come back to that one. But Ray, I mean, the reason the, the reason I'm asking whether it's positive is that um, if you listen to the statement, at some point he said what amendments to the constitution the ANC actually had in mind was to define the conditions under which land could be expropriated without yeah. compensation. Now, nobody seems to have taken a lot of notice of that. Um, now, is that progress? Is that an upside or is that actually just making yeah, things you know, worse? I think that it's not possible for the ANC to not amend the constitution now, mm. especially in light of the months of public hearings where person after person after person has stood up and supported the constitutional amendment against a minority of people who have spoken against it. So they unleashed that process and you know they started the fire the fire is raging now you've got to deal with it so uh, they what was interesting is that there was a planned um press briefing on the lahotla for this morning but ramaphosa chose to go on television last night and very clearly in a recorded message mind you explain read from the script exactly what what's what and what do you of that late night intervention well you know i mean all the little ones are in bed so you can't frighten them too much no i think it's uh i think he wanted to get, be ahead television, of the yeah. game i think the concern would have been though after the hotler last night there would have been leaks then the ANC would wake up in the morning to press reports about this uh thing where the message would be out of its hands and i think they want to control the message and spell out the message. The only reason they would have done it the night before like that. Well, so, it did, it but did, the message is... Yeah, the it message did still is rather small. spook the markets because yeah. the RAND had been trading at a seven-week high last yeah. night. When but it's today is a bit of a recovery. So maybe, you know, I'm just hearing Ray talk about this, maybe there might be some logic in this. And, and when you're speaking any political talk, 
any uh, economic sh shifting talk, right? Uh, it's probably best to speak in the evening in South African context. Let the international markets take a, a grasp of it. Because if he announced that now, today, and came out and said that, maybe the Ryan would have reacted more violently, I, I suppose. But today, it's already in recovery. So there may be some logic behind it. I mean... Yeah, yeah, maybe it's some thought process delivering at 10 o'clock when, when the markets are uh, asleep and only people to react to it is basically Asia and so on, but even in, the, in, the, in New York and U.S., there's a, they're almost like going to sleep. So there, there may be some logic behind it. Maybe it should tell us that going forward. Uh, but, you know, when they spoke about this thing, this was, we always knew this was coming, that they opened up this box, there would, there, there would be a revision to the Constitution, they wouldn't come back. They couldn't go back and say, well, we thought about it, here it is, but no, we, we leave it as it is. There was no way they were going back when, when they opened up that box, right? But uh, the, the key thing here is the definition, as you said, definition of defining what exactly fits into what, 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 what needs to be expropriated or, or not. And this is where he has he has to speak about the king, the Zulu king. He's been there, peace and the king. So this defies. So also for the king, is like, okay, fine. There are particular the definition of when, when this will be used. And I guess in terms of food security, this is also something that they that, that have to think, think about. The positive is, it's not, well, I would kind of say it's not all properties up for this, right? I, I think those are the things. So in the, I mean, there would have been that panic, there would have been that like, mass, but it's, uh, this was always coming. The minute the ANC the sat down and we we entertained this, they want to do this. I this think the interesting no thing on the property mm. thing is mm. that the clause in the Constitution is not a land clause, mm. it is a property clause, mm. Clause 25. It doesn't refer to land, it refers to mm. property. So the question is whether this amendment would then apply to all private property, yeah. as the current clause does, or whether there would now be a subsection of the clause mm. which refers deals specifically with land yeah. and therefore in brackets isolates the rest of private yes, property yeah. from the amendment. Sekonati, you um, I think are probably not as glass half full as, as these guys and are more likely I'm to be quite, a glass half empty I'm man. I'm quite pleased to see my colleagues celebrating, not uh, celebrating. Uh, uh, the president of the African National <laughs> Congress who may or may not also be the president of the Republic uh, making these major very important announcements when everybody is in bed. Uh, I seem to think there was a guy not so long ago <laughs> called Jacob Zuma. He, he was fond of making these earth-shattering decisions when everybody was asleep. Mm. And on this program, on many occasions, I have likened his, uh, his behavior to one Sunny Abacha. I know I'm not that old to be remembering Sunny Abacha alone. Uh, he was uh, head of state in Nigeria. They, he worked all night and slept all day. Nigeria today has still not recovered all the money that was stolen. However, uh, during, during you don't want a president who works late at night. You don't want a president that will work Before you compare him to Abacha, but the Ryan, look how the Ryan reacted. Like, uh, there was that reaction last night, but look at it today. That's like, yeah. who, I remember Zuma having a, a press conference at the Union Buildings about the economy on like a normal day, 12 o'clock or something. He spoke rubbish, but, where, but the Ryan was, the Ryan just continually slid even further, and then there was a massive panic around. What, what did the president say? Uh, so if you, like, just, it just makes okay, maybe okay, guys, when so you're talking about eco, maybe later. is going to talk yeah. nonsense, uh, rubbish, yes. confine it to the evening. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Yeah, like so that the Ryan can sort of start yeah, to recover by the time the market's open in the morning. of digestion of what the guy just said, well, right? You know, maybe, I, I don't know. It's quite interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's definitely timing involved, because yeah. the Rand was at that seven-week high last night yeah. okay now we can maybe afford to 
smack it a bit when when it was when it was at, at its weakest point if this had happened it might have just gone just yeah. if you were and worried that the currency was and, too strong and, and, you and can always intervene yeah. and, and while you are doing it talking rubbish at night uh, smacking the rent back to where you believe it, it you must commandeer the public broadcaster as well for, for, for hijack the, the SAPC for party political purposes. On the and, other and hand, on the other hand I, as you say, he is owning the narrative. Yeah. He is not leaving it to some spokesperson to go out the next morning. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that's important in itself. But in some ways, the economic part of his speech, I, I'd have to say personally, it worried me a little bit more because it was so incredibly without content. Mm. He he sort of announced that he was going to offer a the ANC had decided on an economic stimulus package, mm. and then he listed five points which were just. Yeah. You see, old. I think I think there is panic mm. because yesterday's unemployment number came through twenty seven point seven percent, the highest it's been for a very long time. This is not part of the plan. Yeah, Ramaphoria was supposed to deliver employment. Well, it was supposed to but boost confidence, which would yeah. feed through to the economy in the country. But all short these term. little decisions that have been made, um, setting the minimum wage, labor brokers now in court, you know, the, the consequences of those things have been spelled out and have been ignored, you know, and the chickens are going to come home to roost. And so these, these massive job losses that we're facing, I think is causing a bit of panic in the ANC. That is driving this land populism and it's driving these you know the, this sort the of hastily assembled did you did you look at all run at, at at the at the five point stimulus package i mean uh, is there anything there that, no, that no, could boost the economy no there's no meeting there like it, literally there was just a, a, a moment of dealing with the the heat of yesterday's unemployment figures because we all know the, the, the fiscally we're constrained i don't know where they're going to find the space in the room to to stimulate the sa economy the only way well, I'd, Unless he's about to tell us there's a solution to his SOE woes, right, and freeing up their their commitments to S to ESCOM and the like. But uh, again, I think that that was particularly populist. That that was particular. I give it to him. Threw him. What are you doing there? But on this one, it's only the narrative, right? And people were saying, why is he talking on SABC? I mean, that tape was given to everyone, and we all just want to listen to what the president's about to do about. This, with the land question, such a huge question in this country, I don't know why, like, why does it matter if SABC broadcasts at 10 or not? I, that's another, another so speak, Speaking of fiscal, of yeah. fiscal issues, because the one, th the one point he did make is mm. whatever stimulus it was going to be was within, going to be within the fiscal constraints. Mm. Now, on which subject, Tom Moyani Sikonati, who's been challenging his disciplinary inquiry, this is the suspended commissioner of SARS, who is trying every which way not to be fired, um, we just had breaking news that the disciplinary inquiry has said all these challenges are without merit and it must go ahead. Is that good? Does it open the way for us to resolve this impasse over SARS? Which I'm glad you're not asking me about the general speech uh, last <laughs> night because Ronnie has already said he was talking nonsense. Oh. <laughs> We've done Cyril's <laughs> We're on to Cyril's next problem, which is Cyril's next the problem. SARS commissioner. So this suspended. again, uh, uh, the, the ruling by, by Judge Rob Nugent again moves the, the Tom Mayano matter further. This is the disciplinary, this, yes. so some... Azerbaijan. Absolutely, Azerbaijan. yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, his objections uh, to, to, to the, how the commission is being run, him making a ruling there uh, moves Moyana to the next step. Are you going to court or are you going to sit down and we discipline you or we, we, we inquire what's going on with the commission? So uh, let's see what he will do because if he seriously feels he's been aggrieved, uh, there, there's so many things wrong in, in the law, uh, that he's been subjected to. 
He then can go to court and ask the, the court to put a stop to the inquiry until his disciplinary is completed. I suppose the real problem with this is that SARS can't really move significantly forward, forward. until this leadership issue is when resolved. When is his contract up? Isn't it, well, isn't it soon up? He's, he's over retirement age, right? Past it. So I guess, if, if anything, I also like maybe it's delaying tactic that... And he just leaves and retires, like his contract's up, and there's no, there's no this DC. Oh. Was it was extended yeah, it, by September? Ray, do you, September? Do you, would you have to happen to remember? It was, it was no. late. He came in late Must 2014. Expire yeah. uh, normally they have a five-year contract, so his contract should expire in 2019. Uh, it, uh, so he has a problem to sit with until I wonder if, sorted. if he goes to court and then. His contract expires, I just fall away then. There's like a bounce. Like In the it, meantime, I suppose the pro I mean, can you turn around, really turn yeah. around revenue okay. collection as long as so this thing what, is what unresolved? What he's trying to do now is to stop the commission's work mm. while mm. he deals with his disciplinary inquiry. Yes, yes. This, this is, yeah, yeah, this is the disciplinary so, which is just. So if he feels as strong as he does, saying he's being subjected to a double. Uh, jeopardy, as, as he puts it. Then he will have to go to court, and the court, uh, he will have to show to the court why he's being served a huge injustice by being made to sit in this uh, inquiry by SARS, or when SARS goes to dig up debt on, on the leadership, when he still has to defend himself uh, as an employee of SARS. He has to do that. Otherwise, he's going to have to sit down and have the disciplinary uh, make a decision quickly on him. Uh, and, and so that he can jump in and contribute uh, to, to whatever implicates him as a leader of SARS when, when the commission... I think, yeah. I think we are, we're sort of discovering that fixing governance is not as easy as we thought it was. Okay. And I'm going to come back after the break to talk about the Public Investment Corporation, which um, this week has seen two of its board members resign, and Sikunati possibly more be board members resigning as, as governance there comes into question, but we're going to take a break and we're going to come back in a few minutes. Welcome back to Editing Aloud. And Sekonati, the Public Investment Corporation, explain to us what is going on there? The board seems to be divided. Two board members have resigned. The minister and the deputy minister seem to be at odds with each other as far as one can see. What is the story there? So, Ntlantanana has ordered the board to conduct an inquiry, forensic inquiry into the, into the workings of the, of the PIC, and that implicates the leadership of the PIC which by extension should implicate the board itself or, uh, and he's left it up to them to, to decide how to proceed. He has not named uh, the, 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 the judge that will chair that inquiry. There's, there are no terms of reference yet. But the, the, the sticking point right now at the board, do we or do we not suspend uh, Daniel uh, Machila and, and Matsepo Mora, the chief financial officer, while we are conducting this investigation, of which there are yet no terms. Of course, these people have accusations against them, uh, including the 21 million rand allegedly to, Daniel, to, to a person that is accused of being Daniel uh, Machila's girlfriend, which he denies. Uh, the, the board then is severely divided. Others want to suspend him now, uh, appoint uh, the, then the commission. Others say, no, you can't. Uh, and, and the board is literally split uh, Tandesafu resigned on Monday. Uh, before her, uh, Claudia Manning resigned. 
And they, in their letters, both of them, I've seen their letters, they say they cannot work with Mondli Kungubele, the, the, the way he conducts The deputy himself. finance minister yeah, who, who chairs the PRC board. Yes. They're not resigning because they say we can't do this or anything. They say that guy, we really can't work with him. He manages the board very badly. It's inefficient and he basically cannot work with people. Ron Darby, this, this, this is South Africa's and quite possibly Africa's largest fund manager. It manages the savings of of millions of public tenth sector. Tenth largest in the world. Tenth largest in the tenth. world. That I did not know. Manages the savings of, of all our public servants. Um, how damaging is this kind of conflict over its governance for, for the country ultimately? Yeah, I mean, this is the last passion. You know, like when I, when I think of Dan Majila in, the, in that office of PIC, this is probably the premier, premier banker of anything with, with regards to to black business in the country. So this is the office that every single black businessman look, uh, knocks on their door to get some source of funding. And, and you know, over, over how long has it been there? 50, uh, th 13 years odd? This is like an examination of uh, perhaps of his whole time then and what his, I mean, his actions there. And it almost drives the whole transformation agenda. Like uh, uh, it puts it on, for me, under, uh, under a microscope. And clearly there has, been some things that have gone wrong within the PIC, and, and we need, I mean, there needs to be a, a fresh change within the PIC. And, and I think Dan has held on for, for, long, for a long time. When he came into to the position, he canceled the CIO position, so he put himself as the funder of black business in the country. And, that, and that, that's, uh, that's, that's where he's sat for the past five, five, five odd years. All the questions that have come to him is because he's, in my book, he's had to play the politics of the, of the, the Zuma administration for the past for, uh, 10 years odd, and now it's coming all to bear. And the only way to move on from this is for him to step back from that position as, as CEO of, of the PIC. He's stubborn, I guess there's lots of, pretty much like <laughs> I, I, Prasser, the, the, the former CEO, Lucky Montana, didn't want to move away after 11 years there because he knew once he moved away, all these grims will be, will be shown, right? And I think pretty much in the same vein, I think Majid also also fearful of walking away from the PIC, which is what he should be doing. We've used the PIC to, to batter private sector over transformation, over uh, governance failures, and here is the, the one thing that, that was used to, to try and speed up governance and improve governance, improve transformation within corporate South Africa, having a, a governance catastrophe. So the only way forward for this is for Dan Machila to, to step away. And as he's known, to step away. And as well for that, the chairmanship of the PIC to move away from politicians' hands. The whole idea of a deputy finance minister being the chairman of the PIC, that needs to change. And I think before Prophet Godan left, he said he was thinking of these ideas of moving that as a political appointment. I think that is something that really must happen after this, right? But, but it starts here with Majila. He's served his time. I mean, there's all accusations against him, whether they're right, whether they're wrong. He should step aside. He just, yeah. And Sikunati, I suppose, I mean, this, this is, a, this is a, a fund manager which has held private sector companies to higher standards mm -hmm. of governance, where its own governance is failing. I mean, is, is there the will to resolve this one? I, I don't know if there's a will now. The, 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 the whole thing we must remember, everybody will always be implicated one way or another. Tlantanene appointed Daniel Machila mm. back then. Tlantanene was chairman of the PIC when Elias Masilela resigned with immediate effect. Mm. Something that has never happened at the PIC. There's a notice period for executives of six months. Whatever happened that day, Elias Masilela resigned and left with immediate effect. Who was the chairman? 
Tantanen appointed in Tantanen appointed the next chief executive and as Ron says matched these really powerful positions which served as as some sort of 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 a counterweight the chief investment officer sat on the board at that point together with the chief executive officer and they were all accountable to the board now there's just one person a super powerful guy is there political will it will probably Nobody will come out smelling of roses there. It's yeah. going to be difficult, mm. but it has to be done for the sake of the nation. And what has to be done as well is to clean out the rest of the state-owned enterprises. We've had this week news that the Treasury's report on Transnet has revealed really blatant capture, which is in the locomotive contract, which is really quite yeah. against the country's interests. Very it's quite astonishing. Explicitly so. I think the series of articles by Stefan Hofstadter in Business Day, the lead article today, is, is, is astonishing. I mean, it's this report by Fundozi, which is just details how these things happened. You know, the Japanese locom provided 100 locomotives. They were locally assembled, manufactured. They were efficient. They were cost effective. It was the cheapest tender. And somebody, Anuj Singh, intervened and shifted this tender away from them to a more expensive Chinese Less locally tender, manufactured. Not manufactured locally and with billions in kickbacks built into the price. And it's just astonishing to see it, you know, and, the, and it's a very, I've read some of the original report material. It's all very dry. It's very, you know, uh, invested. I mean, the detail is there, you know, phone calls, emails, communications that have access to all of this and they just lay it bare and it's, a, it's an astonishing picture. Astonishing to Sikunati is what's happening at ESCOM where efforts to negotiate a wage deal are, have run into really vicious trade union pushback or worker pushback. Now, is this a bad sign for any other attempts to restructure ESCOM? It does not ESCOM? run to a trade union pushback. It's a pushback by thugs masquerading as employees of ESCOM. And this is exactly what happens in a lawless society. We're talking about Anoj Singh now and, and all this corruption in the state-owned enterprises. With all of this evidence, there's not a single arrest. If the big guys can do it, the small guys can do it, and that's what they're doing at ESCOM. If anybody can get away with stealing 15 billion rand of South Africans' money and there's all the evidence and nothing happens to them, I can get away with protecting my little job by making sure nobody will deliver coal to this power station where I work, if that means I must be denied an opportunity to work. Ron, I mean, do you see the Eskom, what's been going on at Eskom with, with, with workers interfering with power stations? We've had load shedding this week. Do you think that is a symptom of a bigger state capture malaise, if you like? Maybe a, a bit of that, but I also think, you know, when they put in the new board and they put in the new CEO and they put like, they, okay, this is the cleanup campaign, we're up and running, that's when the politicians will step back. When they first came with that 0%, which maybe now, on, on hindsight, 0%, 0 probably was a bad idea. Okay, but they, the board decided, okay, we're going forward what was 0%. That is when exactly the shareholder will step back and not got involved. I thought when Praveen got involved and said, now he'll negotiate and go to Numsa himself, that I think that empo that empowered the, the unions themselves, the, the workers. The workers. Then it wasn't a question of we're dealing with our superior, like our, our bosses up above. This is like a political problem. And then, then, I think that weakened that board quite significantly to a point now. If, even if 
Pagamani comes out tomorrow and he's like he's like bashing his uh, his hand against the, the table and taking a strong stance. Uh, the, the unions know like this is not about you, right? Your, your boss is above you here. Let you stepped in. So I think that was fundamentally the break that they the ANC couldn't couldn't make, and that is what they should have. I mean, the whole ten years of Zuma was about our politicians becoming executive chairman of these SOEs and playing this field where well, they should never never have been in the very first place. If they were going to do this properly, that was in June, in, in, in February, when this happened, step back and leave it to Jabu Mabuza, leave it to that board to be sitting there dealing with these battles and to, uh, charging people, whatever the case. But this is fundamentally how you, got to, you have to break ESCOM. It's uh, not, not break ESCOM per se, but you have to change relations within ESCOM. ESCOM has become a minefield within Transnet, all of them. But our politicians still are busy. Like, yeah, that. For me, the mistake was Praveen getting involved in, it, in any way near those negotiations. That was, for me, the biggest problem, because then it became a political play. And Ray, what chance that, that the will is there to go ahead and do the restructuring that will surely be needed on a pretty grand scale to fix these state-owned enterprises? Is, is, is the yeah, political you know, backing I, there? I think the political will is not there. Mm. And that's the problem. And I think the unions know that it's not there. Because Ramaphosa's biggest constituency got him into power, drove his campaign, was the union movement. And he's weak within the ANC, can't afford to lose that constituency and have another enemy along with the Zuma camp um, up against him. So they know that there's a lack of political will and that he will not take on the unions right now. And so they're taking advantage of it. Maybe after elections. But next door to us have been another set of elections, Ray. Have you been following the Zimbabwean yes. elections? Fascinating. Free and fair? Fascinating um, they may be, but are they free and fair? It's hard to say from here uh, if it's free and fair, but it seems to have been very relaxed. Lack of incidents. Um, I don't know, you know, the tweets from people saying it's all very chilled. And, and so what was fascinating for me was Robert Mugabe was back in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> there he was, the center of attention, mm. on the eve of the election, Bitter man. making this announcement that he's abandoning ZANU-PF. You know, the life force of Robert Mugabe is ZANU-PF for the MDC. Um, <laughs> and, and yet people still, according to, to the results we've seen so far, people still didn't really give the MDC a majority. Well, you know, it might have been, a, might have been a really great. sort of terrible moment for the MDC because, of the, you know, I think it turned sentiment yeah. against them. Well, ZANU-PF, I mean, Nangagwa just jumped on it and issued a Facebook. Mm. You know, Facebook is the most brutal electoral tool available to a politician. Issued a Facebook video in which he said, vote for Chamisa and the Mugabe's are back in the frame. <laughs> Might have worked. We've just got one minute left. Just uh, your vote. Was it free and fair? I wasn't there, so, uh, but uh, it's quite amazing that... Uh, Nelson Chamisa, who declared victory before the election, has not been beaten up yet, so there has indeed been change. Yeah. Ron, free and fair? Uh, and, uh, as well, I have been there, but free and fair. But what Mugabe said there, just going to show that the Zimbabwe is all about him. You can't switch, your, your party kicks you out, and then you turn on them, MDC. That's, it tells you for the past 20 years, it's been by one man. That, that to me was final, full stop. That's all we have time for. Please join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud. Good night.